Likutei Sichas, Chelik Tezvah, Volume 15, the fourth Sicha for Parshas Vayigash. This Sicha is based on the two Rashis in the final Pasuk of our Parsha. In this Sicha, the Rebbe will explain our ownership of the land of Goishen, in which the Bnei Yisrael settled when they arrived to Mitzrayim, to Egypt, and also the purpose of our being in Mitzrayim in general, and particularly in this land of Goshen. Just a few uh, klalim, a few rules in Rashi that we're going to cover during the Sicha. Number one, we know that often, quite often, the pirush of the pshat, of the literal pashut uh, meaning of the pasuk, could differ from that of the medrish or other sources. Another thing, a rule in Rashi, that the Dibur Hamaschil, the heading in Rashi, is very crucial to the question, to the answer, to the explanation that Rashi gives. Just for background, to familiarize ourselves, there was the Bris ben Hapsorim, the, literally the covenant of the pieces, that is that Avram Avinu was told by Hashem already many years in advance that his descendants will be strangers, will be foreigners, Be'eretz lo'ilohem, in a land that doesn't belong to them, and over there they're going to be afflicted, they're going to be enslaved, and afterwards they're going to leave Berachush Gadol with great possession, meaning with great, great riches, as Chassidus explains, of course, that means they're going to leave with the sparks of holiness that they're going to manage to elevate from, and of course later we turns out to be Mitzrayim. So if you look in chapter 47, Verse 23, that's the very last Pesach in our Parsha. It says, Vayeshev Yisrael be'edetz Mitzrayim be'edetz Goishen. And Yisrael settled in the land of Mitzrayim, in the land of Goishen. Vayeochazuba, which most translate to mean they acquired property in it. Vayifru, vayirbo ma'oid, they multiplied and they increased tremendously. Now, in this, there are two pirushim. What does it mean, vayeochazuba? that they held on to it, that they acquired it. So Rashi says, this is Meloshen Achuza. This comes from the etymology of the word Achuza, which means an estate, meaning that they acquired it, it belonged to them, it became theirs, or it was theirs. However, the Medrash says that this actually refers to the land, so to speak. That Ha'aretz Hoyso Ichezes Bahem, their land was kind of grabbing onto them, holding onto them, but the Pesas Hoysam, and it was grabbing them. Just like a person who is in a place against their will. Now, it's obvious why Rashi was, so to speak, forced to explain it not like the Medrash, because according to Pshat, if you look at the flow of the Pasik, the Pasik obviously is giving us a reason, is explaining to us how come they were Vayifru, Vayirbo Ma'oid, how they multiplied and they increased tremendously, how they were so successful there. So obviously it fits more in the Pshat to say is that they acquired it, that they you know, took ownership of it. However, as discussed many times, Whenever there is more than one pirush on, a, on the same thing in the Torah, there has, even if they, on the surface, they seem to be opposed to one another, still there has to be an intricate connection between them, to the point even that one complements each other. However, if you look at 
these two pirushim, they seem to be stark opposites. They seem to oppose one another. Why? Because according to the Pshat, according to the way Rashi explains it, it seems that the manner of their settlement in Goyshin was a very pleasant one. It was a very good one that the land was theirs. However, according to the Medrash, it's the opposite, that the land was kind of grabbing them, forcing them to be there, putting like a chokehold on them, which is obviously the opposite of settling in a place willingly and with desire. So the Rebbe says to understand this, in other words, to reconcile the two and go back to the rule that the Rebbe brought that typically there has to be a connection between the two to the point that they complement each other, when here it seems like they contradict each other. So first, let's take a visit to the first Rashi, to the prior Rashi in this very Pusik, and that will give us a better appreciation, understanding what this means when we say that they had the Achuza, that they acquired it, and how the two Pirushim of Rashi and the Medrash can come together. So in the previous Rashi, it says, and here is the Dibur HaMaskel, here is the heading, Vayeshev Yisrael Be'eretz Mitzrayim. The Rashi focuses on the words and quotes them that Yisrael settled in the land of Egypt. So Rashi explains, and he seems to be giving us kind of like the flow of the narrative of the Pasuk. Rashi explains, Ve'heichon, and we're, meaning we're in Eretz Mitzrayim, Be'eretz Goyshen, Shehim Eretz Mitzrayim, in the land of Goyshen, which is part of the land of Egypt. Now, many Beforeshim explain the reason for why Rashi felt compelled to explain this, because really it would seem obvious. So the answer that many Beforeshim give is that Rashi was concerned that we may read the Pasuk in the following manner, that Yisrael settled in the land of Egypt, Kama in the land of Goshen, as if we would understand it, as if it was saying that they, land, they, they settled in two different places, in Eretz Mitzrayim in general, and in particular Eretz Goshen, and that's why Rashi was compelled to explain that the flow of the Pasuk actually goes together, there is no Kama, that first it says Eretz Mitzrayim, and we're in Eretz Mitzrayim, as Rashi says, in the land of Goshen. However, you can still ask several questions, says the Rebbe. Number one, why does Rashi have to uh, add the words, quote, that Shehima Eretz Mitzrayim, that it is a land of, he could have just said, and we're in the land of Goshen. And it's obvious that it's in the land of Mitzrayim because it says it in the Pasuk, as you say it, Eretz Mitzrayim, you said, and we're in the land of Goshen. So the land of Goshen is in Eretz Mitzrayim. Why does Rashi have to continue and emphasize that this is part of Eretz Mitzrayim? A second question could be asked on the Pasuk itself. Why was it necessary for the Pasuk to point out that Eretz Goishen, the land of Goishen, is in Eretz Mitzrayim, when already it's been written before, prior in prior Psukim, clearly that Eretz Goishen was a part of Eretz Mitzrayim. And number three, if the entire objective of Rashi is to explain the words, Be'eretz Mitzrayim, Be'eretz Goishen, why was it necessary for him to also quote the words, Vayeshev Yisrael, that Yisrael settled as part of the Dibur HaMaschim? And the explanation of it is, says the Rebbe is as follows. Rashi's real objective here is to explain a serious question that would come to mind. You see, when we go back all the way to the beginning, now where's the beginning? The beginning of the Shibud, of the enslavement of Mitzrayim, doesn't begin right now. It began several generations ago. It was told to Avram Avinu by Brisbane Hapsarim. And what did Hashem say? That prior to them entering the land, coming back to quote this land where Avram Avinu was, 
and conquering it and taking ownership of it, they're going to be compelled to an enslavement in, quote, the Eretz Lohem, in a land that's not theirs. They're going to be foreigners, they're going to be great gadim, strangers in a land, aliens in a land that's not theirs. But what does it say over here? Vayeshev Yisrael. They settled. Settling, and then, and then plus, in addition to that, it says, which means that they acquired it. They had it like an estate, like an achuza. This doesn't seem to be part of that plan. This doesn't seem to fit in to what Hashem said to Abraham, that there will be strangers in a land that's not theirs. And therefore Rashi stresses, therefore he emphasizes, quote, Shehim Eretz Mitzrayim. That this land, although now they're settling it in a manner of comfort and ownership, but still remember, quote, this is part of Eretz Mitzrayim, meaning that it's not part of Eretz Canaan, and therefore for them, for the Yidin, although they're settling in it now, and they're owning it, but still it's not Eretz Canaan, and therefore to some degree, or to a great degree, they are like strangers, they're like foreigners, they're in a place that's, quote, not theirs. However, it's not 100% smooth. Like the Rebbe uses the, the expression glottic. It's not so smooth. It's not perfect. Because we know, I mean, in other words, we can still ask the following question. We know that the whole purpose, the whole objective of Golis Mitzrayim was in order to purify them, in order to kind of like, kind of wash them out, break them down, in order to prepare them for Matan Torah, you know, through the enslavement, through the challenge, through the difficulty of the of the hard backbreaking work, and if so, the question is, how did this get accomplished by them living in Eretz Goyishin? We know that from the minute they came down, the years, the times of their enslavement started to tick. If you say the manner in which they settled in Eretz Goyishin was in a manner of Vayeshev, they settled in a peaceful, comfortable manner not as strangers, and in fact, you say that they owned it, they became like real owners of it, then how does that explain, how does that explain how this is part of that promise that Hashem made that they're going to be enslaved in a land, in a strange land that's not theirs? And the question becomes even stronger when you look at the word, that they took ownership of it, right? If this is an ownership and almost like a like an estate, like an inheritance that belongs to the Eden. The question is, how did that happen exactly? Where do we find that there should be an ownership to the Eden, that they should have possession of it? This never belonged to the Eden. This is not part of Eretz Yisrael. It's far from Eretz Yisrael. So how does this all fit into that promise that Hashem gave Avraham Avinu? Says the Rebbe, indeed, if you look actually in the Sefer Yehoshua, chapter eleven. Pasik Tezayin, chapter 11, verse 16. Over there it says that Yehoshua conquered as Kol Eretz HaGoyshin. doesn't specify exactly what it is. The Radak, interestingly, explains that this was not a land within Eretz Yisrael that's called Goyshin, a territory that's called Goyshin, but rather this was the Goyshin of Eretz Mitzrayim back there. But the question is, what's going on over here? This cannot anyway explain why now it's being called an achuza, why now it's being called an, uh, uh, an estate, an ownership, an inheritance of the Eden for something that's going to happen a hundred years forward. 
hundreds of years forward, right? In the time of Yeshua. So we still need the explanation. How is this at the same time that they're considered to be in a strange land, in a land that's not theirs, and yet it is, quote, theirs? So the answer, says the Rebbe, is as follows. The Medrash tells us, if you remember the story with Sarah Imenu, when she was taken captive by Pare, and then later she was released, and Pare gave gifts. One of the gifts that Pare gave, says the Medrash, was that he gave her ownership of Eretz Goshen, of the nicest part of Mitzrayim. And therefore, says the Medrash, when the Yidin ended up in Mitzrayim, where did they end up? In this land that belongs to them, that belonged to their a matriarch to, the, to their ancestors. It was theirs. So it comes out and indeed the Yidin did receive it as an inheritance and it was their achuza. This answers that question, but the question it doesn't answer and then actually intensifies the question, then how can it be that their being in Eretz Goshen is considered as part of the time of, quote, Ger that your children, your descendants, as told to Avram, will be strangers, will be foreigners in a land that's not theirs. So the Rebbe says we'll understand this, we'll get an appreciation based on what's explained in Chassidus. The Alter Rebbe explains in a Maimer and Torah Ur, in regards to all the uh, details of the enslavement that are spelled out in the beginning of Parsha Shmois, it says that they made them work, they afflicted them, with hard work, which literally means with mortar, with bricks. Why is the Pasuk going into all these details? Why is it important for us to know? Just to know it's important just to know that they worked hard. It was backbreaking labor. Why tell us all the details? Because the Altareb explains that all these have a meaning in the spiritual sense, as it says in the Zoyar. For example, Kosha. what does it mean in hard work? This is a reference to one's Avoida in learning Torah. This is Kusha. This is when you have questions and you need to clarify them. Bechoymer, what does Choymer mean? Zukal Bechoymer, says the, says the Zoyar. This is a reference to Akal Bechoymer, which isn't easy. You have to really kind of bend your mind sometimes to really understand and appreciate the back and forth of the Kavachimer. And Bilvenim says the Zohar, Zu Libun Hilchesa. Levenim, like from the word love and white, making something clear. This is clarifying the halacha coming to a decision in halacha, which is again, not always easy. And this is the idea. When a Yid works hard, toils in Torah, says the Al-Tarebbe, this substitutes any need of actual physical suffering in Golis, any difficulty in Golis. Says the Rebbe, along these lines, we can explain it, what happened over here. And remember, the question was, how can their settling in Goishan as an inheritance, as a, an estate that belongs to them in a very comfortable manner, how can that be considered as part of the promise that Hashem made that his descendants of Avram are going to live in a situation of Ger years that they're going to be foreigners, they're going to be strangers, they're going to be afflicted in a land that's not theirs. Says the Rebbe, this is what's going on here. When they were in Eretz Goshen, where, what did they do? They went, came down with Yaakov Avinu. We know that Yaakov Avinu set up immediately a base Talmud, a place to learn Torah. So immediately, they threw themselves into, they gave, they were totally dedicated to the study of Torah. Without any worries, they had everybody reunited, everybody was happy, so all they did was they learned Torah, and they learned Torah to the fullest extent. So they learned Torah in a manner of 
Yegiyah, they toiled in Torah, they worked hard on Torah, and they covered all of that, and therefore that substituted any need for actual physical enslavement. And by the way, this is hinted when, in what Rashi says, that it was Lashen Achuza, that they were in a place that they had as an estate, that they were not Mamish and Galus, they didn't have to physically suffer in a strange land, but they were in a place that was recognized as theirs. The Gullus is expressed in the hard work, so to speak, of learning Torah. However, later on, after Yosef and all his brothers passed away, and their spiritual standing began to deteriorate, and then what happened? This place, which was really theirs, began to become not theirs. The Mitzrayim, the Mitzrayim started to almost like deny that and therefore turned into enslavement. And even up to that point, the fact, the fact that they were there, even during the time, up to the time that they were being enslaved, actually and actively enslaved, still it was somewhat of a gullus because even though they know it belongs to them, but it's still not Eretz Yisrael. It's still not a place where the Shekhinah is there. For them, this was somewhat of a challenge. And then later, later, when after, after the, um, after the, like I said, after the passing of Yosef and his brothers, that's when it really kicked into the real literal type of Golos that they felt and which was all the way until the end, until they were, they were uh, freed from Mitzrayim. And that's where the Shibud really really um, took effect in the literal sense. So in short, up to the time that Yosef passed away, indeed it was in a pleasant manner, but it was substituted. The actual hardship of Golas was substituted for learning Torah and the little pain that they had, feeling that, look, we're not an Eretz Yisrael in a place that's, that's under the constant presence, uh, with the constant presence of the Shekhinah, that alone was enough to be counted as Gullus. And later, after Yosef and his brothers passed away, it turned into the literal Gullus as we know it. And this is the, what Rashi has in mind. This is what Rashi is pointing out when he says, Vayeshev Yisrael Beretz Mitzrayim, Veheichan, and where? Beretz Goishin, Shehim Eretz Mitzrayim. That true in the beginning, it was indeed Eretz Goishin. But later it turned out and it proved that even though it's Eretz Goishen, but it's still Shehima Eretz Mitzrayim. It still is from the land of Mitzrayim, which ended up being, and in Goishen itself ended up being, the most difficult place for them later as the situation deteriorated. And now we can appreciate the connection between the two Pirushim, between Rashi and the Medrash. You see, true that now, the settling in Eretz Goshen is in a matter of pleasantness, in a manner of a chuza. It's like a state, it belongs to them. But afterwards, however, what came out? What proved itself that this place, not that they were in possession of it, but it became in possession of them. It became a bad place for them. It became a detrimental place to be for them. The possibility for that already began now. And that's how... Rashi connects to the Medrash. That means in the um, revealed manner, it was like Rashi says right now.
But in a concealed manner, meaning what was lurking beneath the surface is what's going to happen later, and that's what the Medrash is alluding to. Now we can also look back the other way, how the Medrash connects to Rashi. You see, what is the whole purpose of Shibud Mitzrayim? What is the whole purpose of the enslaved Mitzrayim? That they should elevate the sparks of holiness that were found there in Mitzrayim. What makes, and take possession of the holy sparks and bring it out. And bring it out for Mitzrayim. And as it says, they're gonna out afterwards they're gonna leave with great riches. What is the riches? As we said in the introduction, the riches is a reference to the sparks of holiness. This is how the Medrash, who says that means that it took grab of them, a whole it caught them in its in its web, so to speak. This is how it connects to the Pirush in Rashi, that they took possession of it that they inherited it. This is a reference to inheriting the sparks of holiness.